on, everybody? This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast for Wednesday, November 27th, 2019, here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kevin McGuire. I'm your host here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. We talk Penn State football every day, Monday through Friday. Even this week when there's a holiday coming up tomorrow, we will still have a brand new episode. But as far as today is concerned, man, do we have a lot to get into. There was a lot of news to cover coming out of yesterday with a potential player leaving the program, entering the transfer portal, and of course, the latest batch of the college football playoff rankings. And it puts Penn State in a very fortunate position going into the final game of the regular season. And speaking of which, we will finally get our first look and overview of this week's opponent, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. We do these podcasts every day, Monday through Friday, so make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcasting app, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, we are there and there for you. So make sure you subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. We appreciate the feedback, and it does help support the show with the growth and the placement on those various podcasting platforms. And, of course, we want you to be a part of the show. best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnNittany. And you can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. And, of course, like I said, guys, we have a lot to get into today, so we're not going to have to delay any further. Let's hop right on in and get started. While we do have a lot of ground to cover with the latest college football playoff rankings and what it means for Penn State's bowl outlook, I have to mention a couple of news stories that also popped up yesterday, and they're a little bit more negative in tone. First and foremost, wide receiver Justin Shorter has reportedly entered the NCAA's transfer portal. This allows him to have contact with any other college football program as he evaluates what program is going to be best for him moving forward. Obviously, this would be a tough blow because a lot of players that enter the transfer portal end up leaving for another program. It's not unprecedented for players to pull their name from the portal and return to the the school where they currently are. That has happened, including at Penn State within the last year or so. So it's still a possibility Justin Shorter could remain a member of the Penn State program moving forward. But odds are the numbers indicate that it's far more likely that he will end up leaving the program. I would imagine that this means he's not going to be playing this weekend against Rutgers uh, because once you enter the transfer portal, it makes no sense for you to continue playing games. I, I don't know if any player has continued to play any games for their current program once they've entered the transfer portal. So again, this is the uh, this is how it works. You can enter your name into the transfer portal, the NCAA's database of all players interested in pursuing a transfer. They are then allowed to start kind of going through a recruiting process. They can talk to coaches and staff members from any other college football program out there at any time. Uh, you know, obviously, when you're not in the portal, you're not allowed to have contact with another program, or another program is not allowed to have contact with you. This opens up the doors to have that recruiting process begin. And then Justin Shorter has, uh, I guess, whatever amount of time he wants to take to evaluate where he best sees himself. Uh, moving forward as a student athlete, as a college football player, and seeing what is uh, what options are on the table for him. And I would imagine he's going to have some good options for him because obviously he came out of high school as a pretty talented recruit. 
was one of the key players in Penn State's recruiting class when he came in. So obviously losing him would be a big blow. And this kind of goes back to something I said in yesterday's podcast when we were talking about recruiting and really what's the biggest difference between a program like Ohio State and Penn State. One of the things I said is Ohio State has playmakers at key positions like wide receiver. And we saw this on Saturday's game where Ohio State has wide receivers that they can uh, feel very confident are going to go and make a play, go grab the ball in, in a key down situation. We've seen that in the series the last couple of years against Penn State. That's really been one of the big keys to success that Ohio State has had against Penn State. Obviously, quarterback play has been pretty competent as well. But, and of course, there's a lot of things going well at Ohio State. But the, the key positions like wide receiver, that's just something where Ohio State has seemingly had more players making plays for them compared to Penn State when these two go head to head for the most part. And obviously, Justin Shorter could have potentially been one of those guys that you looked for making uh, some of those big plays for Penn State in the passing game in the next couple of years. And obviously, if he's entering the transfer portal, he feels like uh, maybe he this isn't going to be the place for him. And I'm all for players evaluating all of their options. I have firmly said this from day one. I am all in favor of getting the player all the power in the world to make the best choices for them individually. You know, sometimes you go to a school, doesn't really work out for you. You you don't feel like you're fitting in or it's just you get homesick or maybe you just don't feel comfortable uh, in your surroundings for whatever reason. And that's okay because that happens to every college (laughs) for every college student or at every college. It's not abnormal for a football player to feel those similar things. And there could be other factors in this decision as well. So we'll see where Justin Shorter ends up moving forward. Uh, I'm guessing, like I said, odds are he's going to be leaving the program at some point in time. But we'll have to wait and see. It would be a tough blow to lose a kid like Justin Shorter with his kind of talent. But again, that's just the way this game is these days. It's not just a Penn State thing. This happens at every college out there. Everybody's got transfers. And this is a busy time right now for transfers because we're getting near the end of the season, the end of the semesters. And this is the time when a lot of players want to make some decisions about where they're moving forward. Maybe even getting on board with the, the spring semester should they decide to go somewhere else. So lots of stuff for players to figure out right now. And Justin Shorter is going to be going through in that process right now. Really focusing a lot on Texas A&M and what Jimbo Fisher has been doing there. So the story's out there. If you want to give it a look, you know, I haven't uh, been able to invest myself fully in every detail of that report. But it is something that's out there and I felt like I needed to mention it. I don't think we're going to be talking about anything as far as NCAA penalties are concerned uh, because technically that's the focus here uh, of did these schools violate NCAA rules? One side says yes, one side says no. There's probably a little bit of a gray area. I'm not really sure, but that story is going to be floating out there. So if you see it, don't be too alarmed by it. I don't think it's going to be something that drops a hammer on Penn State or Texas A&M or the other program that was in there. And I totally forget which program that was, but just wanted to throw that out there. Now, let's get into some fun stuff. We'll start that in our next segment as we explore the latest college football playoff rankings. Penn State is in a very good position. We'll talk about it next on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, I got to tell you about Roman. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. If you can't visit Roman right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com offers. 
Tuesday night meant we were getting another batch of college football playoff rankings from the college football playoff selection committee. And the big question that Penn State fans wanted to know is just where were the Nittany Lions going to be ranked after their second loss of the season, this time on the road against Ohio State. And folks, there was some good news if you're a Penn State fan looking to make some bowl plans because Penn State's in a really good spot with these latest college football playoff rankings. Penn State comes in at number 10. They are the highest ranked two-loss team in the rankings this week. And I'm going to tell you why number 10 is a very key ranking in a little bit. But first, let's just run down the rest of the rankings. Number one is Ohio State. Ohio State moves up to number one after their win against the Nittany Lions. They bumped LSU down from number one down to number two. I've said all along, I think Ohio State and LSU are the two best teams in the country. I don't care which order you want to put them in. I would put Ohio State ahead of LSU because they play defense. And I, I think an Ohio State LSU championship game would be very fun to watch. You know what would also be fun to watch? An LSU Clemson semifinal game. That's the current setup right now with Clemson coming in at number three, uh, also at 11 and 0 overall. Number four, it's Georgia. It's the same four teams as last week. We just had a change at the top. So uh, Georgia remains in that fourth spot right ahead of Alabama at number five. Uh, Utah moves up to number six. They're kind of sitting there waiting to jump Alabama. We'll see if they get a chance to do that or not. And then Oklahoma makes a move up to number seven. Sort of expected that as well. Uh, Minnesota, back in front of Penn State. Again, I think it's fully deserved right now, especially with a 10-1 record. Uh, Minnesota at number eight, followed by number nine, Baylor. Baylor makes a big jump, up five spots. I think it's more a reflection on the committee, kind of trying to reassess and uh, reevaluate just how they're doing this. Or if you look at the rankings and you look at the records of these teams, there's a very clear pattern here. The undefeated teams are up front, uh, followed by a bunch of one-loss teams before you get down to number 10, Penn State being the first two-loss team. Uh, Penn State is followed by Florida at number 11, Wisconsin's at number 12, Michigan at number 13. So completely different situation from the AP and the coaches poll where Michigan is ranked ahead of Penn State. The playoff committee has been very favorable towards Penn State the last few weeks. They've been very complimentary. They've been very uh, respectful of some of the wins that Penn State has had. And one of those wins, of course, is against Michigan. So these rankings are giving some preference not only to the overall quality of play and the overall quality of wins, but of course, head-to-head results as well. At least for the most part. I don't know if there was anything. Well, there actually is one head-to-head head scratcher here. Uh, number 14, Oregon. Oregon takes the big fall this week. Uh, you know, Penn State was saved by the Oregon's loss to Arizona State. And uh, obviously, Penn State gets to, to stay well ahead of Oregon right now. Oregon fell down to number 14. They are one spot ahead of Auburn, who's 8-3. and three. Uh, Auburn, of course, opened the season with a victory over Oregon. So some people might be scratching their heads, but Oregon's at 9-2, Auburn at 8-3, <laughs> Oregon at 14, Auburn at 15. Notre Dame's hanging down there at 16. Pass uh, Penn State opponent, number 17, Iowa. And then you got your group of five contenders, Memphis at 18, Cincinnati at 19, followed by Boise State at 20. Big 12 gets another team with Oklahoma State at 21. They also get Iowa State at 23. And uh, USC coming in at number 22 this week so we got another Pac-12 team in the fray here and Virginia Tech jumps into the pile at number 24 giving the ACC a second team and a potential top 25 opponent for Clemson at the end of the year if Virginia Tech wins this weekend we're, we're going to talk about that in tomorrow's episode yes we will have an episode tomorrow and then Appalachian State rounds out the top 25 uh, at number 25 so good spot for Penn State to be in and why is that a good spot well couple reasons we've talked about the Rose Bowl situation already the scenario in play that could potentially get Penn State into the Rose Bowl as a refresher here's the scenario 
Ohio State wins this weekend against Michigan and then goes on and wins the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State's going to play in the playoff. Uh, so that leaves the Rose Bowl looking for a Big Ten team. Odds are they're going to take the highest-ranked Big Ten team, uh, and that could very well be Penn State. If Wisconsin beats Minnesota this weekend and then loses to Ohio State, Penn State could easily move into being the highest-ranked Big Ten team outside of Ohio State. That would be a very attractive option for the Rose Bowl. We know the Penn State fans are going to travel. We know they'll represent well at in Pasadena should that invitation come along. I think it's a very realistic scenario right now. But here's the thing. Being ranked number 10 puts Penn State in a much better situation as far as these bowl scenarios are concerned. Because now we're not only talking about the Rose Bowl, but now we're talking about the Orange Bowl. And here's why we're talking about the Orange Bowl. So the Orange Bowl is in a non-playoff year for the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl is locked into taking whatever ACC team they possibly can. They like to get the ACC champion, but it looks like Clemson's going to be playing in the playoff again. So Clemson will be out of the picture. So the Orange Bowl has to take an ACC team. Could very well be whatever team Clemson plays in the ACC championship, whether that's Virginia or Virginia Tech. So they're getting an ACC team. But they have to take a team from the Big Ten or the SEC or potentially Notre Dame under their current contract. They're guaranteeing the Big Ten and the SEC three teams will be playing that game under the current contract. Notre Dame can play in up to two games, but they're not guaranteed any games. So the way this works is the Orange Bowl will take the highest available team from the Big Ten or the SEC and pit them against that team from the ACC. So let's play through this, okay? So let's say the college football playoff is going to take Ohio State into the playoff out of the Big Ten. Uh, and let's say they beat Minnesota in the Big Ten championship game. Let's say the Rose Bowl takes Minnesota. I think that's very well-deserved, and honestly, I would love to see that. If Penn State's not going to play in the Rose Bowl, I'd love to see Minnesota get a chance to row their boats out of the Pasadena. So let's say Minnesota's going off to the Rose Bowl. Penn State's still sitting there at number 10. Keep that in mind. So the college football playoff. Let's say LSU wins the SEC title. Let's play, Let's simplify it even more. SEC champion is in the playoff, okay? Whether that's LSU or Georgia, one of those two teams is in that 14 field. We've already ruled that Clemson's going to be in the uh, in the playoff. And for the purpose of this, it doesn't really matter if Clemson is in the playoff or not because the, the Orange Bowl has to take that ACC team. So whether it's Clemson, Virginia, or Virginia Tech, doesn't matter. So who's that fourth team in the playoff? Right now, it would be Georgia. But if LSU beats Georgia, that knocks Georgia down. Maybe that moves Alabama into it. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter because before the Orange Bowl even gets to pick, the Sugar Bowl has to take an SEC team. And they're kind of like the Rose Bowl. They'll take the SEC champion or the next team available out of the SEC. So if LSU is in the playoff and Georgia is in the playoff, then the Sugar Bowl gets Alabama. If Alabama loses this weekend to Auburn, does Penn State jump ahead of Alabama? For the purpose of this conversation... Let's not worry too much about that. Let's just say the two SEC teams make it into the playoff. I think that's a very realistic possibility at this point. So two SEC teams in the playoff, you could say Alabama or Georgia, whichever one of those teams is going to the Sugar Bowl. They they're, So they're locked out of the Orange Bowl. So then you start going down the list. Okay, well, if Utah doesn't make the playoff, but they win the Pac-12, then they're going out to the Rose Bowl under the current contract. Yes, yeah, Sugar Bowl also gets the highest Big 12 team. Right now, that's Oklahoma. Could be Baylor, but we'll see. <laughs> but I think uh, that would be a situation I'm going to get to in a second. But again, 
Big 12 doesn't get a chance to play in the Orange Bowl. So the Big 12 is out. So Oklahoma is out and Baylor is out. We've already sending Minnesota out to the Rose Bowl as the Big 10 runner up. So who's next in line? The Penn State Nittany Lions at number 10. And that is key because right now they're one spot ahead of Florida. Florida in the Orange Bowl would make a lot of sense, but the contract says that they're going to take the highest ranked team. Now, the one thing I do wonder is, since the Orange Bowl has guaranteed the SEC three teams, is this a year where they could take Florida ahead of Penn State? I don't know exactly what the rules are, but basically Penn State's in a great spot to get into, if not the Rose Bowl, then the Orange Bowl. And guess what? There's even more of a buffer in the New Year's Six because the Cotton Bowl has two out-large spots they're going to fill. Okay, now I've already kind of sent Baylor off to the Cotton Bowl. But again, there's a chance that Baylor could fall in the rankings uh, behind Penn State, even though having a team like Baylor in the Cotton Bowl would seem to make sense and would certainly be a good draw. Certainly would be a big draw if Oklahoma were there too, given the location and the geography. But one of those two teams is going to lose. So Penn State's probably going to be moving up a spot, assuming that they beat Rutgers. But everybody beat with Rutgers. One potential wrinkle in all of this could be if Michigan beats Ohio State this weekend. Because if you look at the rankings, that would very likely move Michigan ahead of Penn State in the rankings. And that could interfere with all these things. But I still think Ohio State's going to win this weekend. I still think Ohio State's going to get into the playoff. And I still think at the end of the season, there are going to be three bowl possibilities for Penn State. And they are all going to reside in the New Year's Six. So mark it down. I'm saying right now, Penn State is going to either the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, or the Cotton Bowl. There is going to be no other option there for Penn State. Well, we've put it off enough this week, so now we might as well finally get into it. It is time to take a look at the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. This week, Penn State will end the regular season against the team that helped birth the sport of college football, as you may have heard one time or another. This being the 150th anniversary of the sport of college football, it's only fitting that Penn State gets a chance to close out the season against Rutgers, the team that won the first college football game in the sport's history and has certainly been making a mockery of it all season long. Yes, this has been a really tough year for Rutgers football. There's no question about that. Making a coaching change after four games, obviously going in through a coaching search at this point in time and potentially having to break off the the big deal to reunite with Greg Schiano, which I think what a lot of people were expecting was going to happen. Uh, and now Rutgers is kind of scrambling. So I'm very curious to see where this program is heading. But obviously, since Rutgers joined the Big Ten, they had a good first season at 8-5. and five. Of course, we all remember uh, their first Big Ten game was against Penn State and Christian Hackenberg finding a way to lead that team to victory in New Jersey. Uh, and, you know, it's been all downhill since then for Rutgers. You know, obviously, the Kyle Flood disaster had to be resulting in a coaching change there. After his 48th season in 2015, they bring in Ohio State defensive coordinator Chris Ash, who tried to bring over a lot of the Urban Meyer mentality and, and strategies in building his program. And obviously didn't get off to a great start with a 2-10 and 10 season, but that was kind of to be expected. Things got a little bit better the following year at 4-8 and eight, and then just kind of regressed as much as they possibly could to a 1-11 season last year. And then, of course, it started off 1-3 this year before Rutgers decides to make the decision to cancel Chris Ash as the head coach, uh, replacing him with uh, interim coach Nunzio Campanelli, who uh, has not been able to steady the ship here. Uh, he's coming in at 1-6 under his coaching regime, and Rutgers is now 
two and nine coming into their final game of the season. And this is a program that I, I said for a while could very well be one that is coming into Happy Valley kind of as a dead team walking, just kind of going through the, the motions, looking to round out the season and just go home and you know see what happens next for this program. That is very much the case this week. And Penn State is taking on as dead of a program as you're going to find right now, especially in the Big Ten. And that's because they know that there's a coaching change in the air. Uh, some players have already decided to hit that transfer portal, including Archer Sutowski, who obviously wasn't playing right now for Rutgers. He's actually redshirting this year. Uh, he's, he redshirted earlier in the year. So Rutgers has been a little bit of a mess. They've had a number of players that are redshirting, a handful of players hitting the transfer portal. And that's not atypical of a program that's going through a coaching change. I'm going to make that point right now. We all saw this at Penn State. Players are going to go through the transfer portal. And I just mentioned it earlier in this episode. Players at every college are going to hit the transfer portal. It doesn't matter how good or how bad you are. Uh, obviously, when you are this bad as Rutgers and you have a coaching change in the air, you're going to have a little bit more of a player turnover probably. And uh, that's unfortunate because Rutgers really is trying to build something. They're trying to get something going. It's just been a long, painful process in trying to kickstart that program, especially after an encouraging first season in the Big Ten once they moved over from the American Athletic Conference, which, of course, was formerly the Big East. So this is not the Rutgers that it was under Greg Schiano. This is a far cry from that. And now they are looking to pick up the pieces and try to build up from something from being the worst team in the Big Ten. And there are some signs, if you look around the conference, there are some signs of optimism that you can do that. I mean, just look at Minnesota this year. I'm not saying that Rutgers is anywhere close to having a 10-1 regular season going into the final game of the regular season with a chance to play for a Big Ten title and maybe even a spot in the playoff. But I think if you find the right coaching hire, you can obviously spark some changes there. I didn't think that Chris Ash was the kind of guy that was going to come in there and revamp that program. I think he was just kind of uh, an assistant that worked for Urban Meyer. So they figured, well, if Urban Meyer has him on his staff, maybe he's a good quality coach. Maybe Chris Ash wasn't the right hire for for Rutgers. I think that is painfully obvious for Rutgers right now. And I think the, the problem is Rutgers coming into the Big Ten, they were hoping to be able to lock down a large number of the, the in-state talent that New Jersey typically has and obviously some top recruits from around the region it's totally backfired. It's going the other way because not only is Penn State uh, taking over recruiting in New Jersey, but Ohio State and Michigan have really stormed into that state uh, like they never really have before. So while they have had talent come out of New Jersey and Michigan and Ohio State, I feel like it's been much more energized in the last few years since Rutgers came into the Big Ten. And uh, you know, I don't know if Rutgers fully understood that that was going to happen. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, we can say what we want about the addition of Rutgers, but uh, we all know that Rutgers is a total mess. But let's take a look what has happened to them this season. Oh, my goodness. It's it's almost painful just to go through the schedule, but we're going to do it anyway, all right? And we'll blitz right through this schedule because it is not pretty. So the season actually opens up with a game against UMass, who is probably the worst college football program in Division One right now. And I say Division One, I mean all of Division One. UMass is really bad. They've had a really rough season. But Rutgers started the year off with a 48-21 to victory. Hey, they start the year off. Chris Ash is 1-0. Who knew at the time that that would be his last win? Um, well, 
maybe some people did <laughs> because they go on the road in next the following game and they open up Big Ten play against the Iowa Hawkeyes and they lose 30 to nothing. Come home, they take on Boston College, an old Big East foe, and they lose 30 to 16. Boston College is not all that great either, guys. Then they go on the road at Michigan and road games for Maryland and Rutgers in the Big Ten have been abysmal against programs like Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. That's going to be a recurring theme here, and we're going to see if that theme continues this weekend. But Rutgers goes out to Michigan. They lose 52-0. They come home. They take on Maryland the next week. They lose 48-7. They lost to Maryland 48-7. Now, granted, at that point in the season, Maryland was probably still a team that you thought might be decent. Uh, obviously, that has not panned out. Uh, so losing 48-7 to to Maryland on your home field, just not a good look. Losing 35-0 at Indiana in their next game, an even worse look. Coming home, taking on that Minnesota team. Minnesota is cracking into that top 25. They're up to number 20 at that point in time. Minnesota just flattens Rutgers. P.J. Fleck rows his boat all over Rutgers, 42-7. P.J. Fleck would have been a great hire at Rutgers, I'm just saying. But anyway, uh, Rutgers does rebound. They do get their second win of the season with a home win against Liberty. Remember, Liberty, I believe, was a favorite in that game against Rutgers. And we were all poking fun at just how bad Rutgers was when Liberty, in I think their second season as a full FBS member, was a legitimate favorite at Rutgers that was not a good look for the Big Ten overall uh, but I don't think anyone's associating Rutgers with the the good stuff that's happening in the Big Ten because obviously there's a lot of good teams and having some good years in the Big Ten but Rutgers pulls it out 44 to 34 so back and forth game for quite a while before Rutgers does take care of it but then it's back to Big Ten play and the demolishing continues at the expense of Rutgers with Illinois on the verge of uh, a bowl season, <laughs> Illinois uh, scores a 38 to 10 victory out in Champaign. Ohio State comes in in New Jersey, wins 56 to 21, and I think the big takeaway is well, Rutgers at least scored 21 points on Ohio State. The two teams that have scored the most points on Ohio State so far this season are Rutgers and FAU with Lane Kiffin. How about that? And then Michigan State comes in last week to New Jersey, and they leave with a 27-0 victory. And that's not a good Michigan State team, but they are at least 27 points better than Rutgers. So that brings us to this final game of the season, where Rutgers is going to come out to Penn State, and they're going to try and score a massive, massive upset of Penn State. And we just went through all those bowl scenarios. They would all be trashed if Rutgers happened to pick up their first win against Penn State since... I had to look it up because I wasn't really sure, but it's 1988, the last time that Rutgers beat Penn State. And by the way, that's only their second win in the series history that dates back to 1918. First game in the series happened on November 9th, 1918. Rutgers wins 26-3. Penn State wins the next 15 meetings. And since that 1988 meeting, Penn State has won 12 straight against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I'm very confident that it's going to be 13 straight. Penn State is a huge favorite this weekend. As, as shabby as the offense has been, and I guess I don't know if there's still a question mark about what quarterback's going to play. We'll talk about that more as the week progresses. But Penn State, I think, was a 40-point favorite against Rutgers, and it seems entirely legit. I do think that Penn State's going to come back and really explode on offense in this game. They need a game to kind of get right with the offense. And what better way to do that in the final game of the regular season at home against this Rutgers team, a team that I really do feel 
is just going to be kind of going through the motions. You know, you score a couple early scores on them. They're going to roll over, and this thing's going to be an absolute blowout that should secure Penn State's ranking in the top 10 when the season is over, once the college, uh, the conference championship games are all set. And then all those bowl scenarios we rolled through earlier in this episode, they are entirely in play. We'll see where the chips fall. But Penn State should have absolutely no problem ending their regular season with a victory against Rutgers in a blowout fashion. We'll talk more about this game on Friday as we do our final look ahead to the final game of the regular season. Uh, But we will wrap it up right there and call it a show. This was a fun episode because we had a lot of stuff to get into. So I hope you appreciate it and hopefully you enjoyed the stuff that we were able to talk about in today's episode. And don't forget, we do these episodes every Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcasting app such as iTunes and Google Play, Spotify and Stitcher Radio or on iHeartRadio. You can tell your Alexa devices to play Locked on Nittany Lions on the TuneIn app. And you can listen to this podcast at any time and anywhere. And if you enjoy it, we hope that you'll consider spending a moment of your time and sharing a rating and a review because we do appreciate the feedback. We want to know what you like, what you don't like, what we can do to improve the show. And it does help with the placement on those various podcasting apps. The more reviews and more ratings we get, the more access we'll get to some of the other viewers that are out there that are looking for a Penn State podcast fix. So make sure you let them know about this podcast. You can do that by following us on Twitter at LockedOnNitney. You can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNitney. And tomorrow is Thanksgiving, but we will have an episode for you. So if you're going over the river and through the woods, over the river and through the woods, yeah, that's right. If you're going over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house for some Thanksgiving dinner or whatever you guys may be doing on this Thanksgiving, first of all, be safe. Have a great holiday. Uh, But we will have the Big Ten Weekend Preview will be posted tomorrow on its regular schedule. Even though it's a holiday, the Big Ten Weekend Preview will be available for you. We'll also skip around some of the other top 25 teams. Tell you what you should be looking for and what you should be rooting for this weekend if you're a Penn State fan. And now that we have all those bowl scenarios in play, there's a lot more rooting interest to take a key eye on going into this weekend. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. You can also check out my work on Athlon Sports and NBCSports.com's College Football Talk for some national coverage of the sport called college football. And, of course, I do want to say this is the biggest night going out, so be safe out there. Be responsible. Make sure you enjoy the holiday. Make sure you're there to enjoy the holiday with your friends and family as well. Don't do anything too stupid. Have a good time. Relax. And if you don't get a chance to listen to the podcast tomorrow, have a happy Thanksgiving. I will see you guys all again very soon, whether it's on Thursday or Friday. But we'll have the new episodes for you, and we'll be here for you whenever you're ready for your Penn State podcasting fix. Until next time, everybody, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'll talk to you later. Again, have a great Thanksgiving if you don't get a chance to listen to the podcast before then. Yeah.